Pittsburgh Steeler fans, <laughs> welcome to this week's episode of Steelers Touch Down Under. I'm Matty Peverell with Marky D as always. Marky Davison, how you going, my good friend? Hey, what's going on, Matty? How are you, mate? Yeah, all right. right. I'm a little bit, I gotta say, I'm a little bit sad about Why? the Queen, man. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Um, you know. I, I kind of, I was thinking about it yesterday, right? And I was talking with it with some American colleagues about it. And obviously a lot of our listeners, you know, are, are from the US, of course, as Steeler fans, you know, and it's funny. And the issue of like American independence, I'm like, I hate the UK, but as an Australian as part of the Commonwealth, I'm like, oh man, I love being part of the Commonwealth. I love being a queen subject. It's just really weird. Yeah. Like for me personally, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me too much uh i know that sounds disheartening and whatever but uh i'm more i guess you know i she's not in my life you know uh you're you're in my life you know what i'm saying so if you were to something happened to you i'd be like that sucks because then i gotta find someone else to do a podcast with that'd be my, my first notion <laughs> um but other than like you know look it's you're always thinking about the fans mark always thinking about the fans. <laughs> you know the listeners I, always come first i think about myself pretty much that's pr- half my problem too but um <laughs> Like if you were to go that like that, yeah, I know you, right? I haven't met you yet, but I know you. Uh, yeah. I know the fellas here. I know my family and stuff like that. That would really like you know be saddening to me. But someone who's so disconnected all the way in England and and a big personality and whatever, you know, of course people are so connected. Like we are connected with our Steelers. Like it really hurt me when when Tunch passed away, right? Yeah. But I listened to that guy for twenty years, and he was uh, Tunch and Wolfie were fantastic to me. So. Yeah, it's it's it sucks. Um, uh, I think England's going through their mourning and stuff like that, and it's 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 a big event because she was ninety six. Like that's crazy. That's a long time. That's a long in. You know, that's like almost a hundred. Yeah, it's uh, well. I was just thinking, if she got to hundred, would she write a letter to herself? You know how everyone on the Commonwealth gets a letter. Yeah, <laughs> but I guess it kind so of. True. <laughs> right exactly we were done this debate last night at home who who would write the letter but it's also it kind of got me thinking parallel to the Steelers like when Dan Rooney died and it's just that like that legacy you know what I mean like it's just that it's not necessarily that had to impact your life directly but how have they done things that have changed you know the the, the way of something you you believe in um but I also think it's a good segue because there's a member of the BTSC community that has some ties to England, who's sitting here in our green room right now, or our black, I think it's a black and gold room. It's just a black room. It might, yeah. you know, it might be hard. To, it might be dim for him. But I believe it's a bit of a black and gold room, as they say, and he has ties to England. So this is, as I say, great segue to bring him in. And so we will welcome to the show, Bad, Big Bad, Brian Anthony Davis. How are you going? Gentlemen, it is such a pleasure to be on this show. Um, before we get started on anything, I'd like to wish you a happy second anniversary with BTSC, both of you. Really? Oh, yes. It, it, really it's blast. August 29th, 2020 was the debut of this show. And yeah. I got to tell you, two years of you idiots has been absolutely fantastic. And when I, when I say the, when I say the phrase, you idiots, that's a term of endearment. Cause that's what I call my buddies. So I'm an idiot and I love having you guys on the show. So fantastic gentlemen. Great job. I will give your, I will give the hand to both of you. And I hope there's many, many more days here. Many, many Fridays, Saturdays, whatever 
whatever day it is for you guys. It's a Friday for me. Uh, and uh, we love you here at BTSC. Great job, guys. Wow. So it's been been two years and we haven't been fired yet. That's great. Yeah. You know what? I, I got to share a story about you guys. I remember when you were sending me when you were sending me the first show and you guys were so excited and I'm like, and we actually got you on the same day. We Dave Schofield, Jeff Hartman and myself were like, no, nah, this is good. We're going to run with it. And you guys left the mic on with what you sent me. And here you guys are besides the plethora of uh, curse words, <laughs> uh, the recreational curse words. I just hear, I, I hear both of you so excited going, mate, if we get the gig, if we get the gig, we'll do this. If we get the gig, guys, you got the gig. It's been two years, and I love it. Um, about the ties to England, my mother-in-law is English. She's British. Back in June for the uh, the Jubilee, she had a special tea. She's 85 years old, and she has the British flag out in her. I mean, like this huge British flag in the front yard, a flag of the Queen, and she's absolutely devastated. So I, I got to tell you, um, but for me, I'll say this. I think I was more upset when uh, Princess Diana died. And mm. that was uh, August 30th of, that's 25 years. Whoa. So um, just a class act. She she did great things for, uh, my gosh, 70 years of service. Absolutely fantastic. And you mentioned Dan Rooney, guys. I was in England. At a Rick Astley, <laughs> when Dan Rooney, <laughs> That's crazy. and nobody wanted to let me know. They were, my wife was praying that I didn't find out. And here I checked my phone. I, yeah, I mean, gosh, I'm in the middle of never going to give you up, and I, I, <laughs> he died, and <laughs> so I can understand. But for everybody in England, you got to understand, seventy years. That's yeah. nominal. We get a president in the United States, whether we like him or not, for eight years tops. FDR ruined that. F FDR was like almost 16 years or fit, however, 1932 to 45 or something like that. Um, that's that's how long he was around and they changed the rules for him. So, I mean, I got to tell you, this, this, is, this is a great passing. And as a member of the United States, no matter where you are, you know, Queen Elizabeth was very important and uh, an amazing legacy. And I don't think you'll ever see that again. So I got a spontaneous trivia question. We always talk about three Steelers coaches in 70 years. Bad. how many coaches did, because they've had all these uh, quotes about Queen Elizabeth saw, you know, this many presidents and this many prime ministers and this many world leaders. How many coaches did she see during the, her reign of the Steelers? Is it seven? I thought I calculated, calculated seven, but that's I'm just going off the top of my head. So, what was it, 1952 when she started? Yeah. So, Bill Austin was right before... Bill Austin was right before Chuck Knoll. And you had Mike Knox. Um, Jock Sutherland, I think, was in there. Of course, you had the great Buddy Parker, who should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, took the Lions to a couple championships. And so I think I said Mike Knox. I, I would probably say about six six or seven, but I might be missing somebody uh, somebody too because it's it's really tough. There was just 
there man it was just a turnstile yeah, until 1969 eight. 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 8 depends whether you count the guy that was Joe back that was in there um when she joined, when she took over but yeah but that's yeah it's pretty crazy right like the, the real question that gives is you a sense of like how long she reigned for wow <laughs> the real question is does did she want Mike Tomlin fired yeah I mean, <laughs> you know that's the real yeah, question exactly. If the queen they wanted Mike Tomlin on, fired. <laughs> well, <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, you know, really, with his ties to Ireland, that's that, is there a monarch in Ireland or just the, the fact that they're a part of the UK? How does that work? Well, there's Northern Ireland and there's the southern part of Ireland. But if you read a different way to win, which which I've almost finished, um, I mean, all of Ireland has have a lot to thank with the Roonies in terms of how they were able to support that economy. And because there was a, there was a stat around how many more Irish Americans there are than actually Irish. There are, it's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, it's a good segue into, into the Steelers and, you know, new beginnings and, and just like there's, you know, a new monarch for those of us in the Commonwealth or a new, you know, some level of world leader, we've got a new Steelers team. And so they kick things off in just a couple of days time, depending on what time zone, you listen to this in it might be that you're listening to this a day you know of the game as part of your pre-show lineup um so i've got a question to you fellas there's a bit of negativity this week or what have you i'm going to ask each go, go to both of you on on this one and i'm going to start with mark mm-hmm. mark on the offensive line who is you know they have to be the best performer but who is one of the better performers and in your mind right now who's the worst performer that needs to really show up come this Sunday at 1 p.m. Cincinnati Bengals? I think uh, one of the better performers probably Mason Cole snapping the football. I didn't hear too many bad things about him in the preseason. Uh, I think he's doing all right. Now, one of the worst performers is probably the the guy that won't play was, was probably Kendrick Green. Um, but I guess Dotson's going to fill in for him. And you know what? The whole O-line, you don't have to be great this game. You can work a few things out for the next few weeks. And I'm not an O-line expert at all, but yeah. just hold them up for four seconds. Just hold them. <laughs> just stand there like like the like the, the Great Wall of China and just, just block them all out for three or four seconds and give it enough time for Trubisky to find Pickett or Claypool or Deontay, enough time, and then we have a chance. Or just run the football and just like I want – in this game, fellas, I want everything. You've had the whole year to get ready and there's no excuses for the first game. In my opinion, there's none. You're not tired. You beat you. The very first game, you have but to. But who, who are you worried time. about on the starting O line? Like, I, I get the sentiment on, on Kendrick Green, but who, who are you worrying about on that O line? Oh, probably like maybe maybe Dan Moore's getting turned around a bit too. I don't know if like yeah. if, if Dotson's going to be healthy or we've always heard this. Like, I've always been a you know big big fan of Dotson because he's so powerful, but you never really see it, you know, until I just want them to just maybe those two blokes on the left hand side, and even to a certain extent, actually, I'm, I'm naming the whole O line. Maybe even James Daniels because he got you know he doesn't play well in August, like he doesn't peak in August. But I want to see something, you know. And we don't know how healthy Truk's going to be as well. He might be he's playing too, right? So, mm. like bad. I just want to, yeah, I'll flick it over to Bad. So I know you yourself and KT Smith talked a bit about Mason Cole. Um, I've not been the biggest fan of Mason Cole through the offseason. It's not just because of the previous support I've had for Kendrick Green, but. In your mind, who who who's the guy that needs to step up, and who's the guy that needs to just you know be the, be that leader on the O line? I don't want to do a Dave Schofield cop out answer here too, but 
But <laughs> you said <laughs> you do it anyway. Let, let me just say this. I'm, I'm going to give an I'm going to give an answer who I think needs to step up. But I think what needs to happen the most for this offensive line is to continue to play together and gel yeah. together. And one thing that was the most important thing for me, and Jeff Hartman was harping on this after the Jacksonville preseason game, and Jeff saying, like, look, make a decision at yeah. guard. And once they made the decision at guard, they got a lot better. I thought from week two to week three of the preseason that that line improved. Was it immensely? No but they improved enough. James Daniels comes out after the Jacksonville game and said, Hey, I'm working on, I'm working on my hand here. I'm working, working on my footwork, but working on the system. I feel like I'm going to get it. This is also the fourth offensive line coach in four years for this team. So yeah. am I making excuses? Yeah, I guess I am making excuses, but I'm also saying that I'm ready to give these guys some more time to gel and they've had three weeks to gel now. And when I say three weeks to gel, because they had the week between the Jacksonville game yeah, and Detroit, and now two weeks between Detroit and the opener on September 11th. So as far as everything goes, I think they, they need to get better. I think they are a much better team than that 2008 offensive line that led a team to a Super Bowl. So, I think the more that they grow together, I mean, they need to be, I'm talking rom-com well, well, stuff. Yeah, they need so, to be finishing each other's sentences. Yeah. All right. Well, let's pick up that point. Uh, we look at 2008 and it's a very different quarterback behind that line. Um, ben made that line look good. And, you know, I think I've watched that Super Bowl as many times as everyone else has. Like, you know, it's it's in the double digits, right? Easily. Um and, and, you know, the defense helped carry them through. But is that, whilst we can call it better than 2008, is that O-line, in your mind, going to be enough for Trubisky or Pickett? I think it's going to be close to enough. And I think that's good enough. And the reason I'm saying that is, imagine 2020, 2021, Ben, between, behind that 2008 offensive line. There is no... Super Bowl. I'm telling you, there, there's not going to be. Uh, I really think that the big difference with that offensive line is the fact that Ben's not there. And it, that is nothing against Ben. What it is, it's the fact that it's against the fact that time was not on Ben Roethlisberger's side anymore. And he had to do things different. He had to, when Chris Collinsworth is saying, hey, he gets it out in 1.9 seconds, and this is amazing. You know, the man had to. Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett and even Mason Rudolph, for that manner, they can go ahead and they can they can move to their right, and they can throw on the run. Do they throw the deep ball better than Ben? No. Ben had no time to throw the deep ball, but if they can if they can get enough time to throw the deep ball. They're going to be in a lot better shape. I think they have, I really think they have better tools. Imagine though, and salivate, and you're, you're not going to see it, but imagine George Pickens Jr. and Ben Roethlisberger on the same page. Oh my yeah. gosh, that, that would have been beautiful. So to me, know, I mean, to me, Pickens is, 
Just, people will go jump out of this, you know, jump at me for saying this, but just from watching him in training camp in a preseason, to me, he's one of the most electrifying receivers we've ever had. I just think on raw talent and 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 the age that he is as well. And you know, I watched his press conference it would have been your Thursday. Um, I watched it my Friday, and everyone like it, it's people think he's aloof or he doesn't care. It's not that. I think he's just really really calm about it. Like they talked about how he you know he shoves off cornerbacks. He's like, well, I started out in the defense. You know, I want and and they and they talked. One of the reporters asked him, "Do you think it's a good thing that you've been able to put this on tape and now every cornerback's scared?" He's like, "Yeah, when you're going to come play against me, you're going to have to compete. Like it's not it's not a gimme. I'm going to bring a bit of he's any he, and he, he said the word, you know, I don't um so I don't like saying that wide receivers are you know prima donnas in Australia we'd call it pretty boys kind of thing, but you know that that's that's the I come with a mean streak mentality. Um, and so Mark. Steelers Freak asks a good question. You and I talk a lot about Tomlin haters and we're massive Tomlin fans. Steelers Freak does bring up a fair point. You know, That's if they do point. lose, I don't want to hear a to- I don't want to hear Tomlin talk about them not being prepared. The schedule came out months ago. That's a that's a fair fan sentiment. How how are you how are you gonna feel? Because you talked about that just before. You said yeah, they had no. all year to plan for this game. And they, they I mean we know what this is like when they when they did it in Buffalo last year. But how are you gonna be feeling if it's a if we finish this game and on the record, you know, they, even if they lose by one point, you know, in overtime, it's zero and one. Like, well, it's the, the exact same notion if you know you're, you know, if it's your year to cook the family barbecue for Christmas and you don't, you know, you don't have lunch ready. Is that yeah. not the same? Is that not the same? Like, you know, this schedule. No, I, I agree. I'm, I'm a massive Tomlin guy. I really believe in Tomlin. I, I want to go to his Hall of Fame speech in, in 2050. I hope he goes last that long, right? So I want to I want to be there for that. It gives me time to save. For the best seats, but in in that same in that same like uh, idea, if you are not ready for this game, like game planning, you've had all year, had all year, the whole year to game plan for this game. If I, if I don't see if I see them struggle on offense, I don't if if the if the skill not the skill level like if they you know if they're competitive, I'm fine. But if they're playing the the silly plays and Tomlin says, well, we weren't ready, we didn't do this, blah blah, blah that's just a cop out. So I agree to that to that to, to that sense, but I kind of want to see on the other side of everyone who does hate Coach Tomlin. You know, if he wins this game, there needs to be some level of respect to the man going into the Bengals Stadium, which we have won sixteen and five since two thousand. Uh, I think since when it opened, but um, yeah, there needs to be some respect either way. But if you're not ready for this game, I think the players will be ready. But coaching wise. You've had all week, two weeks, three weeks to prepare for the Cincinnati Bengals. You know who you're going up against. You know their roster. They know your roster. And it's time to go out and play. So, and I think what we saw last year as well, the Steelers were ready for the Bills and they beat the Bills, right? And we saw how well the Bills played uh, last night. The Bills went crazy. If I can see Mitchell Trubisky play as half as good as Josh Allen, then I think we have a chance. And like like Bad said, rolling out to the right, rolling out to the left is going to be huge for this offense because you'll be able to mix things up and we we remember big ben in 2007 2008 when he might find a, a heath miller or a guy like that you know just in the in the broken play we hadn't seen that last two years i think there's a quiet confidence about this team because we're not even talking about the defense which is tj watt highsmith miles jack these yeah, dudes, we'll get that. <laughs> and these guys are fired up to verse the bengals so so he Steelers freak does make a good point if, if they lose this game, they lose by, you know, 41 to 10. I've seen uh, that score out there again. Then you, you start thinking, well, what happened, you know? 
But in the same notion, if they go out and win this game, this is a huge game, I think. Like, same as last year. We all, we're all going to lose, yada, yada, yada. And they won with the, the, the Versa Bills and they, they, they got the punt block and that kind of stuff. And they beat them at home. If we win this game, there needs to be some level of respect. I don't, you know, maybe not a lot, but a little bit needs to grow for Mike Tomlin and, and his coaching ability. Well, I mean, and I'll pick up on that point. And then I've got a question to Bad that leads us into talking about defense. In my mind, if you can't respect Tomlin at this point of his career with, you know, going to like two Super Bowls, winning one, never having a losing season after like 15 years, then no, people are never going to respect him. And that's just ridiculous. But bad. Yeah. Can I go ahead and address the uh, Mike Tomlin not prepared stuff? Because I look at it a completely different way. You almost need a Mike Tomlin trans translation book because Mike Tomlin never feels that his team is unprepared. They, mm. We're looking at unprepared completely the wrong way. What he's saying is these guys did not do what we told them to do. They did not prepare correctly. They uh, were not good enough to be on that field today because we gave them the, we gave them the right game plan and they did not execute. Mike Tomlin doesn't want to say that. But that's what Mike Tomlin means when he says that. Yeah. So I, I, uh, sure. Am I a Tomlin apologist? Yeah, a lot of the time I am. But but but, but, but I want to pick up on that. I'm I'm sick of hearing about people talking about a Tomlin apologist because we've won right now. Now we haven't won playoff games, but there's there's a lot more that goes into it. I, I Markle Markle give you a good indication on this too. I actually. And people have had criticism in the live chat with this before. I think there's where a lot of us are Colbert apologists. And I and I've done a lot of reflecting on it over the past year. And yes, he drafted some good players, but like there are some bad misses as well, like seriously bad in the first three rounds. And and the draft is about, I mean, the same in other teams like Harry Roseman. Like, you know, you, you're gonna have good drafts, you're gonna have bad drafts, you're gonna have um you know, and as long as they outweigh outweigh each other in the good side, they're going to have a winning team. But over, there's a lot of blame that's put on Mike Tomlin. <laughs> it's not all it's not all his fault or his problem. He had a franchise quarterback that the Steelers were never going to get out of there, um, despite any you know, of the different rumors that held up a lot of cap for a long time. So I, yeah, I think I don't think anyone's a Tomlin, Tomlin apologist. I think people are just trying to be fair to Tomlin. How about um, a Tomlin perspective giver? <laughs> the Tomlin advocacy program, the TAM. Yes. I mean, because like, <laughs> oh, I'll just give you the perspective of Mike Tomlin. Yeah. So I wanted to throw this because you did talk a little bit about it in the live chat this week, Bad. And I thought it was a really interesting perspective. And you've watched the Steelers a lot longer than Mark and I have been alive. And what this could mean. And you've a seen lot the longer. Throwing shade. But we, we heard during the week about Terrell Austin going down to the sideline and Brian Flores being up in the booth. And in the BTSC chat, Slack channel, we talked about, you know, there was the perspective of why that's good and KT Smith gave that coaching perspective and the trust that shows. What sort of benefit do you see this providing for the team tangibly? Like, how is this going to affect what we see on the field? And how does this give us, is this an X factor that we haven't had in other years? All right, so I am going to go ahead and give a disclaimer here because anything that I'm about to say right now is regurgitation of the great Kevin Thatcher Smith. And I'm going to tell you that, I mean, 
is, is he my uh, podcast partner on Here We Go, the Steelers show? Download it wherever you find your favorite Steeler podcast. Um, yeah, he is. But man, this guy, this guy's a phenomenal football coach. He's a phenomenal man. He is, uh, he's dealing with a very young team right now. And they got crushed in their season opener. And they came back to win being down 21 points in their second game. And I love what this man does. I love the perspective that he has. And when I have a question, and I've been a fan of it for a long time, I go to him. And his thing as a coach, he does not want his offensive coordinator, especially on the field. He, mm. he wants to have that offensive coordinator in the booth. And here's the reason. Because to him, it's like a video game. You need to be able to see the whole field, and you're yeah. not seeing it down there. So on the defensive side, it's kind of the same thing. Terrell Austin has been up above for four years, and he thinks it's refreshing being down there. And one of the things for him is the fact that he has somebody that he respects up there to mm -hmm. relay to him what's going on. So he's saying, oh, hey, Terrell, it's Brian. This is what's happening. Look out for that guy. Look out. They're they're going to try to expose the right side. They're 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 blitzing. You know, this is what I see and he could be talking to the players on the field. So basically, you've cloned your defensive coordinator and you have two of them. You have one up you have the same two guys doing the same job in different ways and that benefits the Steelers because they're they're divvying up the work, but there's by one being down there, he's going to see different things than the other guy does, and they can compare notes, and everybody in black and gold is going to be better for it. How do you feel about it, Mark? Are you are you feeling the same way, or do you think there's too many chefs and not enough, you know, <laughs> kitchen stuff? Well, that is actually one funny thing that I always talk to my my dad about, and he's always amazed how there's like you know what 19 20 coaches on the field right you know it's more there's there's more coaches than there is uh in an nrl team but to me it's fine if you get another perspective of the guy you know overlooking the field with a bird's eye view fantastic my only thing would be can you communicate between those two fellas right if you see what yeah. you're seeing but the communication aspect as well you know brian flores might be saying one thing Terrell might be hearing a different thing and then if you do have two two minds sometimes can be good but if you mix up your communication like outlets, like if all three of us start talking at once, we have a message to say, but then the viewers can't hear it, right? So the, the, yes. there's there's that element to it. Uh, but I think they're all professionals, and if it's going to work, I think it's 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 something where uh, if it does if it does work, then it's fantastic. If it doesn't, then come come back down from the box to the field. But it would make sense to have more of a bird's eye view overseeing everything as a defense. Um, but I also trust the players too. I think the players on the field, like TJ Watt, Cam, Minka, those dudes. I think, I think they just get it. I think I think as well, and for the Mike Tomlin team this year, I get this quiet confidence about the guy. Like, he's always, he's really, he, he, you know, we, we, we saw the, the second depth chart, like, you know, that debacle, and I think he might have just did, did it for fun, you know, just to play with the media. But I, I get this quiet well, confidence. Well, it does change the, the storylines. I mean, you know, I in a previous role, I worked in the political sphere, and not everything that you see that's leaked is you know an unintentional leak right? they do it on this, purpose, man. called strategic leaks <laughs> yeah do it on purpose to change the certain narrative or whatever i'm sure i didn't happen in this regard but at least there is a benefit of it right? like, yeah but i i think like I, I do trust these coaches and we are working with a younger team now 
and it's the new era with the new the new uh, general manager Omar Khan, new stadium stuff like that. And we are versing. Uh, I'm going to say the same old Bengals. Now they're different. They're they're a different team, right? But in saying that, I think with this with this new team in Trubisky, I'm kind of excited to see like Coach Tomlin work with Trubisky and, and Matt kind of work with Trubisky too because it's a new guy. And he and the best thing is he's mobile to to run around the pocket. So. I, I I I find that all the stuff about the Steelers being the worst team, we we can't win anything, uh, kind of crazy. But we sh- we shall see because this is going to fire them up, and I think they have a chance in this game. But to answer your first question, yeah, it's it's okay. It doesn't really bother me that one guy's up top and one guy's down 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 below. Different perspectives, and it's going to help the team, I think. So bad, and I'll ask, I'll fire the question back to you as well, Mark. Who is going to be the most important offensive weapon in this game against the Bengals? Not necessarily for the season, but who's the offensive weapon for this game against the Bengals? Who's going to be the difference maker? I think it's Joe Mixon. He's the most important on that field, and here's the reason why. You know the talent that you have with that three-headed monster, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and of course the great Jamar Chase. And I I can say that. I think the guy is, is absolutely phenomenal. I have a lot of great things to say about Joe Burrow too. I think Joe Burrow is now Joe Cool to me. I think he's that guy that... looked good on Pat McAfee. Like he took that really well yesterday. Like that was a good interview. I, I think in his third year, he's, he's more of a top echelon guy. Do I hate Joe Mixon? I cannot stand the guy especially for the stuff that he did between college and the NFL. I, yeah. I have, I have no regard for the man as a person. Um, like I do for a Tyler Boyd for a Jamar chase. I have no problem with it. Those guys, I have a problem with Joe Mixon, but what Joe Mixon does on the field, if he is running well and yeah. you're moving the chains, man, you have no problem mixing it up and throwing deep because you've got to worry about stopping Joe Mixon. And if you don't pay attention to him, he's going to run all over you. If you shut him down, what happens? Then the defensive backfield, they don't have to worry as much. They don't have to be cheating up. They don't have to be doing a lot of things. They can go ahead and not single cover these guys. Like Joe Burrow said, Hey, if you single cover my guys, good luck to you. Good luck oh, 100%. with that. I mean, T. So, Higgins is an absolute weapon. Like, so yeah. do you see what Joe Joe Mixon's going to do for them? If you if you stop him, you're in good. Sh- you're in a lot better shape. You have a much better chance than if he is running well. Then you're putting those guys on an island. Mark, who's the most important offensive weapon on that field? Oh, I think it's I think it's gonna be Joe Burrow, mate. <laughs> Joe Sh- Joe Shicey Jr., Joe Bungle, man. I like to me, look, and I'm not I'm not putting any threats out there, but I would definitely punch his face if I had the chance. Like if <laughs> I walked past him at a bar and I was reaching for a schooner, and then my schooner, my hand turned into a fist, and then I, the schooner was his face, I'd just I'd have to punch it. And I don't really? fight anyone. I, I can't I just don't like his face. Hey, you know, that's the way I felt about Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I, I really did, and you know, you know that I I did threaten to fight him, which is the stupidest thing. He would have killed me, but I, you know, Joe. If, if obviously you listen to "Here We Go" the Steelers show, the pregame show, Matt, and the one thing about that week, if you 
have never seen the movie The Program from 1993. Oh, yeah, I know. Go watch that movie. He's Joe Kane in a way. He's got some bravado. And, I mean, you want a guy with bravado. And he could back it up, too. I mean, you know, a lot of people, like, hated him at LSU as soon as he brought out that cigar. I looked at it, and I'm like, you know, that would be my guy. I would have loved that. Oh, I thought it was bull. Like, oh, it was absolute bull. All right. All right. Let's flip it, though. Defensive. Because, like, you know, we talk about Minka, and they've got a guy like Jesse Bates. Who's who's the most important defensive weapon on that field? Marky D. Um, I'm going to go with Ogan Joby. Really? Well, you mean like Bengals or do you mean like Steelers? Anyone. Who's the most important defensive weapon? Uh, no, nah, well, the, 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 the most important... But Ogan Joby, I'll, I'll give you a perspective why I think Ogan Joby is an interesting choice as well. Ogan Joby played on this team last year. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. They didn't bring him back, right? He's going to be fired up. He's going to be fired up. He's going to be real fired up. He'd be ready to go, man. Like I saw him in preseason too. He's, he's ready to go. Probably him and TJ Watt, but... I think I, I think this defense can hold Joe Burrow and the, the offense. And like like Brian said, you got to take care of the run because Mixon carved us up last year or the, the last two games, and the, the score got out of hand. But defensive wise for the Steelers, I I think you know three levels. It, it's oh, there's so many players we can name, but TJ Watt. Who's, who's who's the guy? You've got to make a play to like. Uh, it's got to be T, It's got to be TJ, mate. TJ for sure. TJ is ready to go. He's 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 pretty much in his life sense. Everything's wrapped up. He's got the the beautiful wife. He's got, well, maybe not kids yet, but everything's like, you know, everything's going his way. And now he's just got to go and tackle Joe Burrow or Joe Shasty. Because I, I think this team, you know, everyone's saying that the Steelers don't want to win, but the players want to win. He, he Like he wants to win. So he wants to go out there and, and, and make a difference to the team. So I think TJ is the, is the X factor on defense. It has to be. How about you, Bad? I'll give you one from each team. Trey Hendrickson is the TJ Watt for the Cincinnati Bengals. He is not TJ Watt. (laughs) Absolutely not. But for them, he's their version of it. And he can disrupt a lot of things. I think if you find a way to shut him down, then and they're not getting the pressure, you're going to have all day to pass. And if you get all day to pass, you can do some damage against this team because really the Steelers have phenomenal wide receivers just like the Bengals do but I think the Steelers even have more I they do they have the superstar like Jamar Chase not yet not we we hope so but not yet but you have so many guys one of the the x factors on offense for the Steelers is Pat Fryermuth because, I mean, if, if Pat Fremuth across the middle is doing some stuff, then you're opening some things up for those wide receivers. I fully expect them to try to get George Pickens the ball. In fact, I would be playing Joe Pickens in any of your leagues if you have him. If it's daily fantasy, he's cheap. Go ahead and, and take this guy. But the one guy that I think is most important to the Cincinnati Bengals and also could be the guy that, could kill the Cincinnati Bengals is our good friend, Mike Hilton. Mm. Mike Hilton, he's a hitter. He's tough, but he's small. And if you're putting Chase Claypool on him, if you're putting George Pickens on him, you're putting a big guy on this guy. If that happens, then he could get victimized. And that's just one of those things that if he gets victimized, 
he's good. In fact, I think he was one of the reasons that that defense really stepped up. But if you can go ahead and find a way to burn that guy, then a lot of other lanes are going to open for you. So is there a defensive player on the Steelers that you think is going to be a game changer? I really, man, I love the Steelers defense right now. I think one of the most important guys is to see what happens with Alex Highsmith coming back. He's he the game changer. No, he's not my game changer. I think it's really important to see what the guys on the defensive line do, but I want to talk about the middle of the field. And I think your inside linebackers could be your game changers. Everybody's worried about Devin Bush jr. Fine. But I really think miles Jack is jacked up and ready to go. And I think he's that guy that wants to control the middle of that defense. I think he feels like he's at the right place. I think he feels like he could be a game changer. And I don't think he cares if he's the fourth or fifth best defender on that team. But I really love what this guy can do for you. And I really did not think that he looked average. Some people were trying to tell me that, yeah, he just doesn't look good. Inside linebackers are going to be a problem. No, stop that. Now, I I know you're snake bitten by it. I get it. But the biggest game changer for, for this defense is going to be Brian Flores. Is he the defensive coordinator? No, he's not. But he is a mad scientist. And he can do some things to just completely disrupt you. The biggest... He was one of the MVPs of the Steelers season last year. And he wasn't even the coach of the team. What did he do? (laughs) In the rain, in Miami, the Baltimore Ravens could not do a single thing because Brian Flores knew how to scheme against Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Which means Brian Flores has had a long time to think about the Cincinnati Bengals this year. Brian Flores is going to Terrell Austin and Terrell Austin is your defensive coordinator. Quit saying you're not, but anybody that's saying that, Oh, it's Brian Flores' defense. No, but they're, they're kumbaya. They, they really, they agree with each other. And Brian Flores is here for a limited time only. He's like the McRib. Get it now because he'll be gone. And the reason I'm saying that is because Terrell Austin's job and Mike Tomlin's job is to make sure they brought Brian Flores in saying, we're making you a head coach. Did do I did I see the transcript of that? No. But what I'm saying is I guarantee you they said that. And you're you're going to help us and we're going to see what we can do. And hopefully it's infectious. And if it's infectious, that means that his mark on the team will go ahead and infect Terrell Austin, who I think is going to be a good defensive coordinator for this team. I think he has bigger cojones. And I really, I really think that he is going to, I think he's a little bit of a mad scientist too. So, it's interesting because you talked a lot about Terrell Austin there. You talked about um, the middle of the field. Um, Mike, you talked about like TJ. I am pretty on the record <laughs> throughout the offseason having not just questions on the uh, defensive tackle, but having a lot of questions about cornerback. 
I like Levi Wallace. I like Kello with a spoon. I think they both have some significant potential to be really good corners. And like, and by that, I mean better than what they are now. But we talked about the wide receiver unit from the Bengals um, just before for quite a, quite a little bit. And, you know, they, they're going to, for me, that is going to go a long way to winning this game because you only need Jamar Chase and, and Tyler Boyd to beat you once or twice and you're down two touchdowns and you're not catching that. Like this team has to hold them to under 20. So for me, I'm, I'm watching the cornerbacks really closely in this game and, and how they go and how Austin and Flores scheme and work together. But it's interesting because, Mike, you talked about a lot about the line and but more about like the outside linebackers. Dad, you talked about, you know, the inside linebackers. You talked about Highsmith there as well. You complimented the line. It's interesting. You talked to three different massive Steeler fans and we're all picking a different part of the defense, but the whole really important bit is how they work as a unit. And I think that is going to, that is what's going to win this game. So it's pretty interesting from that perspective. In terms of the new crop of players, we've obviously, um, I've been calling it not necessarily a rebuild, but it's a bit more than a retool. I think Mark, we've used the line refresh throughout this off season. Who, who, well, we talked about game changes there, but who's a new player on this team that you're just excited to see out there in, regular season football, not preseason against number twos and threes, but is there a player for you guys that you just like, I just can't wait to are see we, this guy hit the field. Are we talking like free agents or rookies? As well? Anyone, anyone, anyone new face. Oh, mate, it's got to be George Pickens. Yeah. I, I've, I, I was going to go defense, but it's got to be George Pickens. Cause I, I think if he can get open to get three or four or five catches uh, versus the Bengals in week one, I think this guy, I've never seen a guy like he's so physical and yet so lanky and tall. He's like a Montavious Bryant, but like stronger. You know what I mean? He's got his arms go up like they're, they're trying to reach the moon. And he's, he's, he's like, he's a good football player from what I've seen in preseason. I didn't watch any any uh, college football that much, but what I see in preseason, he's, he's physical. He runs back to the route really well. Um, he's going to be out there. He wants to block. Like he wants to go out there and actually, you know, make, make plays on the field by blocking. He looks like he wants to be a stealer and be like a physical receiver. So I'm excited to see, will he get nervous on, on game day? Or is he just going to go out there and play and, and follow the coach's orders? Like Brian said, do what you need to do. And then we'll put you in the position to win. And if you do that, then 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 miss a guy and run to the house. Or, you know, I think he's going to be fantastic in this game. I think he's going to be... And even Zach Taylor. Is it is Zach Taylor their coach? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, he talked about him um, saying... You know he's a fantastic player, and we've got to look out for him. So he's he's in this the same kind of notion. So I think him being a rookie is probably like you know the the butterflies and that kind of stuff. But overall, if he can just put that aside and just go play the game he's been playing in preseason and progress forward that way, he will be quite exciting to watch if he gets four catches for sixty yards or something like that. You know that that's yeah. going to be like that's a good game to me if he gets a TD even better. And if, if it makes the Bengals think when he's on the field, what do we do? If he's going to match up against, like Brian said, against the smaller corners, uh, like Eli Apple and even Hilton, I think he can beat them in routes. He's, he's more physical than those blokes. So I think to me, he's, he's the guy I'm looking for. Yeah, nice one. How about you, Dad? Well, first of all, George Pickens has ice water running through his veins. I don't think he's going to be nervous because this is, like you said earlier, Matt, you're like, you know, this is just what I do. And yeah. guys like that translate very well. They they make that transition so well from the college ranks to the pros. I have no worries about him. I'm excited to see him. But I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Miles Jack, which I already did. 
I'm excited yeah. to see what Miles Jack could do. I can't wait to see Larry O. I can't wait to see Gunner O. I think that guy is going to be on T-shirts. I think there's so many new players for the Pittsburgh Steelers fans and the media to get excited about. And the reason there's so many, they brought a lot of guys in. And yeah. there's a lot of turnover here. Well, and... and- you know, I would love to say Mark Robinson. I just don't think we see a hell, heck ton of him in this game. But the name for me, it's Connor Haywood. Like, Connor Haywood really? is this X factor in this offense. That yeah, we another just, guy. Too. And I call it X factor because you just don't know what's, how they're going to necessarily – we kind of have an idea of how they're going to use him. But I just think he's going to show up. And it might not even be a play that – it might be a play that he gets like six or eight yards on. But it's a third down play that gets them, you know, into field goal territory. It's something like that. I just got, I've just got this feeling that Con Haywood is going to be this really interesting player in this Matt Canada offense that we're actually starting. Or you know, we're all assuming that we're actually going to see the Matt Canada offense in in full swing. Uh, but he's this player that I just uh, the versatility um, going up the seam. I mean, I'm always everyone knows I'm a you know Frymouth fanboy, but I just yeah, I think I think Connor Haywood. There's he is going to make a game-changing play. I'll put it that way. Well, he's he's the same too, Matty, mate. He's really physical and he's like a football player. When I say that, I'm like, he wants to be out there running, running the routes, doing the dirty stuff, uh, the blocking, the ta- the tackling on, on team, and stuff like that. He's going to be fun to watch. And if he, they can get him, get him the ball maybe two or three times in meaningful downs for first downs, and you, you can already see that he's trying to shake the, 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 the idea of being uh, Cameron Hayward's little brother. He doesn't want that. No player wants that. So he's going to go out there and, and play his hardest. And I think he looks like a guy to what I saw in preseason. He played – pretty much he played like most of preseason. In one game, I think he played the whole game. Like he's the kind of guy like, yes, sir, no, sir. What do you, Coach, what do you want me to do? You want me to do that? I'll go and do that. that that's what I see with him. I think he'd be – I never thought about that one either. He, he's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, 100%. Well, look, we've only got a couple of minutes left in the show. I'll throw it open to you both. Is there anything – Else that you just you wanted to say to your fellow Steeler fans before this first game of the season? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I just want to say, look, the, the game is zero and zero. It's not over yet. And if you wait all year to, to think the Steelers are going to lose, you can have your opinion. But I don't wait all year, the last six months, to do all the work we've been doing on BTSC and other projects I'm doing to go, oh, we're going to lose this game. Oh, I can't stand that. There's no way we're winning. No, you go into the game zero and zero and you see what happens. That's what's being to me. That's being a true, true supporter. So I don't wait all year to say we can't win this game. They've got that guy. I don't feel that way. I think we've got a chance to win because we've got TJ Watt pretty much. TJ Watt can go and win it by himself. <laughs> How about you, Ben? <laughs> Be patient is the first thing that I'm going to say, and do not go ahead and prejudge this team because I'm going to go back to when I think Mark was. Mark was probably three years old. What were you born in 1989? Yep. And then Maddie, you were born in 91, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. All right. Let's talk about Labor Day weekend, 1992. <laughs> the Houston Astrodome. Yes. The Houston Oilers were actually a team, guys. I don't know if you knew that, but yeah. love the love them they blue. Cool colors. They're nice colors. Oh, yeah. They they beautiful uniforms. That, that baby blue with the red. Oh. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's Warren Moon was how Warren Moon never won a Super Bowl with that team. I'm shocked. But they were they were double-digit favorites. And this was Bill Cower's first year. Bill Cower 
was expected by Sports Illustrated to go four and 12, and the Steelers were supposed to be crappy. And he said, guys, in the locker room, Chuck Knoll's no longer here. No, I'm just guessing. I I don't have the transcript. But (laughs) he's saying, this is our team, and nobody believes in you. But this is our team. They ran a fake punt in that game. They they embarrassed the Houston Oilers in that game. And they were, I mean, they were huge underdogs. And they served notice. They started off three and oh, they went eleven and five, and they lost in the, the first round of the playoffs. But they had I they may have had home field advantage throughout the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. And they were that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the 90s. That was the beginning of a lot of great things. Now, I will say this. Nobody, and that means I'm even meeting the Buffalo Bills, who everybody thought they served notice last night, and they did. But they're not going 17-0. I'm going to bet that nobody's going 17-0. Because when you add that extra game, Mm. that changes a lot of things. And where before nine and seven was barely good enough to get in, now it's nine and eight is yeah. is the uh the just being over five hundred at this point. But a ten and seven record is is pretty good. And you saw what the Bengals did with with a record like that last year. They were ten and seven. So be patient with the Steeler team. This is not your Steeler team in the last 18 years. They're gone. Now this is Mike Tomlin's team, and this is a team in a different image. This is Matt Canada's team. This is Terrell Austin's team. This is TJ Watt's team. It's still Cam Hayward's team. But it's not Ben Roethlisberger's team. And Ben Roethlisberger has a, did phenomenal things for this team, but he had a different style. Now, instead of Benny and the Steelers, this is... A conglomerate. Now, this is just a whole bunch of guys working together. It's it's a cooperative, is what it is, not a conglomerate. Excuse me. And so, by you're going to see a lot of teamwork on this team. You're going to see a lot of them wanting to shock the world together. I'm not saying they're winning the Super Bowl, but I'm I would go ahead and put a bet that they're over 500 and they're in the playoffs. I'm looking at right now in my head. I'm looking at a six seed for this team. And that's pretty darn good. I'll just say, keep calm and carry on. But with that, that's this week's Steelers Touch Down Under. I'm Matty Peveril with Bad, our guest on today's show. And Marky D, as always, go Steelers.